Good morning. Good morning. Whoa, that was good, Lanny. Yeah, thanks, man. You're ready to go. <laughs> All right, awesome. Would you do me a favor? Would you take out your worship bulletin? I want to go over a couple quick announcements. I always say a couple, and it's never a couple, is it? I was starting off with a lie. All right. A few announcements. Hey, we're going to be doing the live, live nativity in the park, right where they do the Festival of Lights next Sunday night from 6.30 to around 9 or whenever the cars kind of start dying off. But I would love for us to be, have a good presence there and just represent Christ and, and be a light, right, in the darkness. So live nativity Next Sunday night, if you can come out, I hope it's not really cold and, and everything like that. If, if not, we'll suffer together for Christ. Uh, children's play practice, December 11th, December 18th at 1230 here at the church. So if your kids are involved in that play practice, if you could bring them out for that, we would really appreciate that as we're gearing up for the play on the 19th. Then we, are, we just decided this. We are going to go caroling to people who are kind of shut in or that we don't get to see in the church. So that's going to happen on a Wednesday night, December 15th. Would you consider coming out and supporting that and, and going Christmas caroling with us? Kids are welcome. We'll, we'll do this with everybody in the church. Uh, I got a chance to, Eddie and I got a chance to visit with the Frankerts yesterday, and I thought they would be ones that we could reach out to. I'm thinking of, there's just a lot of people in the church that that aren't coming, you know, some are concerned with COVID and some are just have physical ailments that they can't get out. So we have probably about 10 people that we want to visit. So if you can come to that, we would really appreciate that. I also want to remind you that Tim Kilgore's funeral will be Wednesday at noon here at the church. And then calling hours are the Tuesday before that from beginning at five um, at Secor's funeral home. So um, everybody's welcome to do that. We're going to pass around a couple clipboards. If you can help out with the meal in any way, Carol would, Carol and everybody would really appreciate that. We're going to be feeding the family. We think there's, and the people that stay after the funeral, we think that's going to be, you know, probably about a hundred people. So anything that you can do to help out with that, we would really appreciate that. So I'm going to start the clipboards on the outsides. When it gets back to you guys in the back there, Karen, Brent, when the clipboards get back to you guys, then you'll pass them to the back of the middle, and then you guys will pass them up. All right, so we got it? Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's all I have today. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for what this season reminds us of. Lord, you came down to this earth. You lived amongst us. And you died for us. While you're here, you, here, you served us. You cared for us. You loved us. And now you're interceding for us. Father, we give you all praise. Lord, I pray that in this season, I pray that things would just calm down for each and every person in here, would, would settle down so that we could focus in on you and what's really important. Father, I don't care if you knock the supply chain completely off its rocker, Lord, in order for us to do that. Whatever you need to do so that we can give you the honor and praise that you're due, I pray that you would do this. I pray that you'd remind us the real reason, the real focus and what Christmas is about. Father, we want to give you praise. We want to give you a gift of honor. Lord, give us opportunities, during, especially during this season, to share the hope that we have in you with all those people that we come into contact with. Father, I lift up our family members who don't know you, our friends that don't know you. Lord, do whatever it takes to bring them to that knowledge. Give us opportunities 
to speak. And let us be bold. Let us be a light in this dark world that reflects you. Father, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus. 
be seated. I just wanted to welcome the new faces that we have here today and kind of go over some ground rules that we have, all right? Uh, we really don't, I guess we really don't have any ground rules. Uh, we don't care what you look like. We don't care what you smell like. We don't care what label's on you, right? We just want you to encounter God in this place. We just want you to have your, your lives wrecked by God. Christ, Christ flipped my life around. And that's what I want for everybody in here. Right? So, like I said, don't, man, I, I don't want to get weird. I'm about to get weird. But I was watching this thing about how fake social media is. I did not know like, I know they have push-up stuff for women up front, but they have stuff for the back, too, like fake stuff. And I'm like, that's our culture, though, today, right? Just when you look at somebody, are you looking at somebody, you know, um, in here? You don't need any of that, right? We don't want you to have any of that. We want you to be real. We want you to be honest. We want you to to feel like this is a family that you can share the grit, the grime, the hard stuff with. Because that's how I see this place. It's, it's my family, right? These are people who care about me and love me, and I know if you give them a chance, they'll do the same for you. Psalm 23, Psalm 23. I, I want to make a, another reminder, too. We have Bibles on either side of... The tables as you go out, if you need a Bible, those are for you to take. Anybody can take those, even Lanny. So even if you've been here a while, they're, they're a good study Bible, and we encourage you to pick one up. <laughs> I love you. All right. <laughs> Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is probably one of the most recognizable, one of the most familiar Bible passages that we have. Besides John 3.16, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you could quote this passage. Even people who are not Christians know it because it finds its way into popular movies today in our culture, left and right. Uh, today, I just want to read it and get a fresh view of it. You know how when you read something and, and you, God gives you something and then you read it again, though, and God gives you something completely different or something, a, a new view of it? That's what I'm praying for today. That not my words, right? I'm praying that the Holy Spirit reveals something to you new that you've never seen in this passage. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We recognize it, that it is a living word that speaks to us. Holy Spirit, unlock it for our hearts. Soften our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears. Father, speak to us. Challenge us with it. Use it to transform us to look more like you. Father, again, we thank you for this this light. Father, I pray for every other church in our community, in our nation, in this world that proclaims you as Lord, that you would bless those churches, that you would light them on fire, that you would raise them up, Father, that you would speak your word to those congregations, and that we would impact the people around us. Give us those opportunities. We ask this. We ask everything. We trust in everything in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Psalm 23 is an amazing passage. Like I said, I want us to look at at this in a fresh light. Because it's so well known, when we read it, sometimes we can just automatically go to a place, automatically get an image of Jesus, maybe an, an older image of Jesus. Maybe that image of Jesus that's found on pretty much every church wall. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. The one that's found in any, any grandmother's living room. It's what I refer to as Life Touch Jesus. Do you know that the company Life Touch that come in, comes and takes your portraits and everything like that and poses you? Uh, we've had them at church, you know, and they always have these nice poses that they put you in. But sometimes I, I kind of think of that when I see that, that picture. It's, it's perfect Jesus. American Jesus, got the perfectly combed hair, neat hair, the beard is all nice and, and combed out, brushed out, right? Not dirty. There is no dirt. It's clean clothes, everything. Everything's just perfect, and he's, he's, he's looking off in the distance with his chin raised. Do you know what I'm talking about? Life touched Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. If I'm honest, if that picture is what I think of when I read the Lord is my shepherd, then that kind of guy kind of seems detached from my life. If you're a teenager and that's your guy, that's your shepherd, there there probably will come seasons in your life where you need somebody that's more present in it, more real, more, more powerful than that image conveys. When you're in a mess, though, Psalm 23 offers you a completely different view of Jesus that I really want us all to get. Psalm 23 was written by a shepherd, David, the guy who took down the giant. Remember him? And so he knows what it means to say that the Lord is our shepherd and that we're his sheep. A shepherd was somebody that would risk their lives to protect their sheep. Listen to 1 Samuel 17, 34. David replied, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep, and whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. So, in Psalm 23, when you read, the Lord is your shepherd, can you just remember that? Not life touch Jesus, but this image of Jesus. Somebody that's willing to to, to put their life on the line. Somebody that's willing to go up against a lion, a bear. I, I'm, I'm not doing that for you, right? Lion, bear comes and grabs you. Man, that's, that's uh, man, maybe I would if I had a gun, you know. 
But this is our, this is our shepherd. This is our king. Somebody willing to grab one of these by the fur, right? And strike it down. That's our Lord. Now, let's go a, a little bit in the other direction, get a proper per- picture of ourselves, right? Us being referred to as sheep, let's just say that that's not an enormous compliment, right? We're, we're the sheep. I know if you're on Facebook, you've probably been called sheep once or twice, especially here lately. I'm not talking about that. This isn't a put down, but it's just how it is. Sheep can't see good. They don't have good balance. They aren't fast. They aren't nimble. They don't make the best decisions. In fact, they have gnats that crawl off their noses and lay eggs, right? They get stuck in the briar patches. They wander off and get lost, and they're easy prey for other animals. So sheep need help. When David said, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying what a lot of people are not willing to say, and that's simply, we need help, right? We need help. He's saying, I realize who I am. I need help. I need a shepherd in my life. I need somebody in my life watching out for me, somebody willing to to snatch me out of that lion and that bear's mouth, somebody that's willing to do what a shepherd does. What does a shepherd do besides that? A shepherd is with their sheep, right? They lead their sheep. They provide for their sheep. They protect their sheep at the expense of their own lives and that's what's available to us if if we'll trust in him as our shepherd if we'll accept him as our shepherd and that's the invitation to anyone that can hear right to anyone that can hear his voice he'll be your shepherd sheep don't always make right decisions sometimes it's not because they're making they were trying to make a bad decision, right? Sometimes it just happens. Uh, I got a video. Are you ready to show that? Kind of threw them off. If you're, if you're like one of these sheep, maybe this will ring home to you. I'm sure you've seen this. I don't know about you, but that's me. That's me. (laughs) All right. Uh, How many times have you been pulled out of somewhere and you find yourself right back in that same hole? Sheep can see rushing water, and if they're thirsty, they're like, man, that looks good, and they can just go right to that water and stick their head in there and grab that drink, and they don't realize that they have that giant duvet on their head, and so they end up getting that thing wet, and it just drags them into the water, and before you know it, they're floating down that stream. That's exactly why, though, the shepherd had that staff with the hook on it so that he was able to reach down and and pull that sheep out of there, grab that sheep out of the water, out of that area where they were in harm's way and lead them to safety. That's what our Lord does. That's what our Lord does if we allow him to be our shepherd. Not only that, but he'll make you lie down in green pastures. He'll lead you beside still waters. He'll restore your soul. That's what David testifies about God. The question is, do you want to be led? Most of us, if we're honest, I think it's just kind of human nature, we don't want to. Verse 5, and this is the, this is the part that caught my attention fresh. And this is why there's a, a table set before you. Verse 5 is probably the most interesting verse in this passage to me right now. Louis Giglio, and this is where it comes from. Louis Giglio has a book out there that kind of delves into this passage. But he talks about this in verse 5. He said that if he wrote this psalm, he would have written verse 5 a little bit differently. David said, you prepare a table 
before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. Louis said that if he would have written that, he would have wrote, you prepare a place for me in your presence. Forget the enemies, right? Who wants to be in the middle of a bunch of enemies? Lord, you blow those enemies away. You take care of them. You get them out of my life. You eject me out of that situation because I do not enjoy being in the center of all those enemies. That's, that's my desire. Lord, I don't want to be in the middle. I don't want to be in this cancer ward, right? Get me out of here. Lord, I don't want to have to deal with my ex. I don't want to have to deal with bullies. Lord, take care of that person that stabbed me in the back. I just want to be away from this pressure. I just want to be away from this situation, this weight, and just be in your presence. That's what I want. That's not how God does it, though, right? He says, I'm not ejecting you out of it. You're going to have to stay in here in this broken world for a bit longer, and that's what we live in, right? Does anybody need a reminder of that? I don't think so. We live in a broken world. But he says, what I will promise you is that no matter what's happening around you, I'll be with you. Not only that, I'm going to prepare a table for you right in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to anoint your head with oil. No matter what's going on in your life, believe me, it's still possible that your cup can overflow. Cups overflowing, heads anointed with oil, and he's putting a table in the middle of our enemies. I don't know, kind of crazy to me. But there's a powerful reason that he did it, and I'll I'll get to that at the end. First, though, I want us to have this visual of this table that he prepares for us. So right now, here's the table, right? All you guys, you, enemy, your enemy, enemy, Carol, definitely enemy, right? (laughs) Lanny, you too, right? You're all the enemies. You're, You're the people that drive slow in the left lane. You're the Michigan fans. You're the Packer fans. Just saying, it's I don't like any of you right now, all right? You're my enemies. You're trouble to me. You're my problems. You're interruptions to my plans that I did not see coming. Your pressure. Your criticism. You're the ones backstabbing me. You messed me over on that deal. You told lies about me, right? You rejected me. You betrayed me. That's all of you some of you out there too, a little bit further out. In the middle of all that though, the king sets a table. Right in the middle of that. The king says, James, I I prepared that for you. Think about that. I prepared that for you. The God of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, prepares a table for you. If you allow him to. He'll lead you if you allow him to. He'll be your shepherd if you allow him to. I said earlier, that's not our natural inclination, right? That's not what comes naturally. We don't want to be led. We want to lead ourselves. We want to be responsible for ourselves. I don't want him running my life. How's that working out for you, though? If, if you're running your life, How's that working out for you? It may be okay during this season. I just know the times that I've done it usually have not gone too well. In this scripture, did you notice he says, he makes me lie down in green pasture. There he is doing something, making us doing something. We naturally rebel against that. How, how dare God make me do anything, right? He's so horrible. He finds this green pasture, and he makes me lie down in it. Jeez. And why is he doing it? Because we're sheep. We aren't smart enough to realize that 
we need to find a green pasture to lie down in every once in a while. Right? How many of us, if we're left to run our own lives, how many of us are just going to find ourselves burnt out trying to do 20 million things? We're going to find ourselves broken down, and then we're going to break down the people around us that have to put up with us. That's if we're left to ourselves. That's if we don't let him lead us to that green pasture to take it easy. Left to myself, man, I'm not smart enough to find the green pasture and know when it's time to lay down and to get into his presence and to get that cup filled up, to take that deep breath, to have that Sabbath rest in the goodness of God. I mean, am I the only one that finds themselves at times just worn out? In this season, I need a shepherd who says, James, it's nappy time, right? Time to, time to rest in that green pasture. It's about relaxing. It's about abiding in him. It's not just, it's just, not just time to, to relax and veg out in front of the TV. It's time to get restored. It's time to get filled up. It's time to get renewed. And that only happens in the presence of God. That only happens when we say no to everything else, stop what we're doing, and spend that time in his presence. That's what he's offering you. I'll restore your soul. No one else can do that. He'll guide you beside, beside some streams of still water. He's not just going to guide you on any path. He's going to guide you on a path of righteousness for his name's sake. And, and if you go through the darkness, if you go through the valley, if you're in danger, right? I'll be there right with you. And I got a staff to grab you out of that person's mouth, and I got a rod to beat them down. That's not life touched Jesus. That's Psalm 23, Jesus. That rod's not for you. That rod's not for the sheep. That rod's for the enemy, for the lion, the bear trying to kill you. Let's get life touched Jesus out of our head and have a real view of him. Amen? You think you have to defend you? How much time do you waste on that when somebody messes with you and you're thinking about how you're going to get them back? Thinking about how you need to clear your name, right, for all the lies that they're saying. You think you need to take care of that? Man, no, you got a shepherd. Sleep easy. Don't worry about what everybody's saying around you. Don't worry about these people right here. You just, you just sit down at the table with the king. Lock eyes with him. Let him take care of them. Everyone's in search of real peace. That's what he offers. He'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your in, your, in the presence of your enemies. Imagine that. I said it, you know, I wish I appreciated this better. Imagine the God of the universe taking the time to prepare a table for you. That's the image that we have of him. Are you thirsty? Come to me, right? I'll give you the water of life. Let me share my peace with you. Let me share my my strength with you. Eat this and be filled. There is a feast that is available to us if we're willing to stop, if we're willing to slow down and sit down. You, You know what I do, though? And I think you know what a lot of people do? I think we come up to it and we say, oh, wow, Jesus, this, this is great. This is amazing. Thank you, Lord. Ah, oh, man, yeah. I don't know if I've got time to sit down, you know, um, but I, I really appreciate it. This is great. You know, I, I got to get going, though. Um, let, let me just grab this, you know, to-go cup, get some coffee. I'll just get this. I mean, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate what you do. I just, I just don't have time, Jesus. I'm sorry. You know, let me just grab this and 
grab this and go. Oh, you know what? Let, let me do this, though, too, before I go, because this is so cool. Can I just get a picture, you know, of this for my Instagram account, right? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll put the heavenly filter on it. Thank you, Jesus. You know, let me just get this right in here, you know. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm tagging you at the Almighty. <laughs> Hashtag lunch with the king. Oh, there we go. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Really appreciate it. Like I said, I'll, I'll get back to you later. I'll come back tonight. I just got a lot of things going on. Lanny, did you see my post? Did you, see my, did you get my post? Make, make sure you share it, right? Lunch with the king. It's awesome. Look at that picture, man. Awesome, right? That's what we do. We don't have time. Man, you know what I should have done? I should have should have put out my Bible out there, too, so I could have made it look like I, I was reading my word or something when I took that picture. Let's just fake it. Let's just pretend. We don't have time? We don't have time? How many times have I said that to him? How many times have I said, I don't have time to sit down with the king who prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies who anoints my head with oil how many times do I don't have time to sit down and let him fill my cup how many people's cups are empty you've been sprinkling it out to everybody else you've been giving to your kids moms right you've been working that job you've been doing things for your husband right my cup's empty and you want your husband to fill it. Man, give me some compliments, husband. Say something nice so that I can get my cup filled. No, man, sit down at the table and let him fill your cup. We've got to make time. We've got to make it a priority above everything else. We're invited to the table with the king of the universe. And we don't have the time to sit down. On top of this, here's the other scary thing, all right? The scary thing is just how quickly the enemy can get a seat at our table. Louis Giglio, in his book, is telling this story about this time where he was in a different country. He was in a different country having dinner with his wife. It was her birthday. They were out celebrating this. And there was this other table that started to get up, and they started walking out, and this, this guy, as he's getting up, he, he looks back, and he notices Louis Giglio, and he's like, Louis Giglio, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm having dinner, you know, I'm, I'm eating. You know, he's like, wow, I didn't expect to see you here in this different country. I was at a, a thing a couple months ago, and you said something, and God really just used it to, to change my life, and I just wanted to tell you that I appreciate that. And Louis was like, oh, praise God, you know, amen, appreciate you letting me know that. Guy leaves. Guy comes back about five minutes later. Comes up to, to Louie and he's like, Louie, you know, uh, I, I just think I'm kind of, this is kind of just all God and, you know, working this out because after I had that experience, you know, at, at the thing you were doing, um, I really felt like God was leading me in this direction. And now I just think, you know, since you're here that, uh, man, maybe you're, you're supposed to be a part of this and I just really want to talk to you about it. Louis having dinner with his wife, right, uh, on her birthday. And he didn't want to have a conversation with this guy, right? And so he says, oh, you know, sounds great, but, you know, today's my, my wife's birthday, and we just like to have dinner. And the guy's like, oh, really? Oh, happy birthday, right? And so he just keeps on. He's like, well, you know, I just really think that this is, this is God-ordained and God what God meant to be, can we just talk? And, and Louis, you know, doesn't want to say no. He doesn't want to be rude, but he's like, hey, can you, you know, I'll give you my number. Here's my office number. We can talk about it, this, and maybe we can meet sometime while we're here and kind of, kind of work this out. And before he could get done, though, the guy had sat down. In the book, he's saying, I'm not saying that this guy was a bad guy or something, but just illustrates how fast the enemy can get a seat at our table. We've got to be careful with that. The enemy pulls up a chair. You, you may be thinking, no, no way, no way, James. 
the enemy would never sit down at our table when I'm sitting with the king, right? There's no way he's, he's that brave to do that. I, I will remind you that when Jesus was in the desert, he sat down at the table with him, right? I will remind you that in the Garden of Eden, he sat down at the table with Eve, and look where that led. That's in paradise, my friends. We live in a broken world. He's trying to get a seat at your table. Don't you dare think that he won't come there. He, he won't come and present himself at the father of all lies, right, as the destroyer. That's who he is. He won't come and say that. He'll come up to you and just start a conversation with you, try to be your best friend. He'll come with a little honey. Hey, how's it going? How's, how's life treating you? You mind if I sit down? So what's going on at home? The, the wife's still giving you problems? I don't know how you deal with her, my friend. You are, you are a good guy to deal with that woman, to put up with that. If that would have been me, man, I would have just been out of there. Right? No way, no way I'm putting up with that. You, you know her parents hate you, right? Yeah, they hate you. You know that's causing issues. That's a big part of the problem. You know, you know I tell you what, it just, it just seems to me like she just doesn't appreciate you and all that you do for her. Yeah. Good for you, though, man. Good for you. Like I said, don't know how you do it, but good for you. That's the enemy. That's how the enemy plants that stuff in your mind to try and cause disunity. He does it in the church. He does it at school. Man, I don't know how you put up with that teacher. That teacher is an idiot, right? They do not know what they're doing, and they are the most unfair person in the world. That's the seeds that the enemy plants. Dude, your, your boss is a jerk, right? You should be running that company why is that guy not listening to you? Why do you put up with that? Why don't you just tell that, that person off? That's the enemy. That's how he, he works. He comes in as your friend. He just starts talking to you and asking you questions to get you to try and doubt the goodness of God. It's all he's about. Did God really say that? Man, is God really not giving you that, what you've been praying for? Doesn't he know that that'd be good for you? What he's telling you, you're, you're not ready for it, you're not mature enough for it. Man, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Man, if I were you, I'd just go ahead and do it. You know, you deserve that, right? That's what the enemy says. Here's the thing, though. The shepherd is always right. The shepherd is always right. His plans are always perfect. They are always for our best. We might not get that. We might not see that. We might not understand that. But the shepherd's plans are always for our best. And the enemy wants you to question that. He wants to destroy the unity between you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your friends. How many, how many families are just getting destroyed right now? Too many. He's going to try and sell you something. He's going to try to sell you doubt about the character of God. He's going to remind you of a wound that you had way back that, that managed to seal itself up, but he's going to try to dig in there and open up that old wound that you had. He's going to make you anxious. He's going to try to get you to worry. He sows the seeds of bitterness. Man, I, just yesterday, I'm preparing a sermon. I know what the enemy does. I know his plans. And he brings up somebody 20 years in my past. 20 years ago, somebody did something to me. Stabbed me big time in the back. Man, and I had forgiven that person, forgiven both people involved. And he, he tried to dig that up. Man, I got on Facebook and searched that person out. I started going through my head some things I was going to say to that person if I, if I were to see them again. And then I was reminded. God said, didn't you forgive that person? Why are you going back there? That's the enemy. That's the enemy. Let me give you some other things the enemy does. Some other tactics. 
And I hope somebody came in here today and you walk out of here recognizing that that stuff in your head, where it really is coming from. I hope you realize there's an enemy sitting at your table. Here's here's one thing he says, it's always better at some other table, right? Maybe you're getting ready to parachute out of your marriage or your relationship with your spouse and, and go to this other person. If that's what you're hearing, that's the enemy. Maybe he's telling you, you aren't good enough. You aren't smart enough. You can't serve in that way. You're not good at speaking in front of people. God would never use you like that. You don't have that gift. That's not your strong suit. So just forget about it. You, you can't talk to that friend about Christ. You won't know what to say. You won't have the words to explain it. They're going to have some questions, and you won't be able to answer it, and you'll ruin it. If you hear that, that's the enemy. Maybe somebody's saying in your ear, you're going to make it through this season. You aren't going to have enough money for your rent. You aren't going to make it past this relational tension. They're never going to change. You're always going to have to deal with this. No way you're going to make it through this semester. You're never going to figure out what to do in life right? You aren't going to make it through what you're having to deal with right now. If you hear that, that's the enemy. How do you know, James? How do you know that I can't, that I'm going to get through this? How do you know I'm going to get through this valley? Because that's what the psalm tells us. Tells us that he'll be with us through it, right? Through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to be in fear because the shepherd is with us. Somebody needs to hear this today. It's okay not to know. Right? I hated being in high school because the only question I seemed to get was, what are you going to do with your life? What's your plans? (laughs) I had no clue. I remember when I was a senior, I had no clue. They're going around the room and everybody's saying what college they're going to and what they're going to do in life, and I had no clue, so I just, I just made something up. I heard somebody else say they were going to be an engineer. I didn't even know what an engineer was, right? I said, I'm going to be an engineer. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's okay to not know. Maybe you're in that season. Maybe you're in a season where you're on the other end of your life, and you're retired, and you're like, what the heck am I going to do now? It's okay not to know. You know why it's okay? Because you sit with the one who does know. Christ has never said, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what plans I have for you. Right? He's never once said that in his life. In fact, his word says, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. Sit down at the table, lock eyes with him, and trust him to lead you, right? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If the enemy's saying there is no hope, you have no future, you messed all that up, you destroyed that, there is no second chance, right? That's the enemy. Don't you dare listen to him. So if you're saying, I don't know, and it's freaking you out, the enemy's at your table. If you're saying, I feel like I'm surrounded, I'm alone, there's no way out, the enemy's at your table. This is what you have have to understand. You have the authority of who sits down there. You have the right to tell whoever's sitting at that table, get out of there. That's your authority in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, right? Here's something else I discovered from experience. The enemy doesn't just like to attack during the, valley, during the valleys, during the tough times. The enemy likes to attack during the mountaintop experiences. I, and, I, and I think this is, this is just my guess, is sometimes you're, you're climbing that mountain, getting out of that valley, right, and you're working super hard, and you're, you're making that effort, and then when you get to the top, you're just like, oh, man, I made it. And you let your guard down. 
And, and that's, when he, that's when he attacks, right? Louis Giglio in his book talks about this story. He says that there was a time several years ago where he was going through this rough season, rough time, frustration, hardship, a lot of accusations, long season of doubt in this guy's life, enemies all around him. Then one day he gets this text from a friend that, that um, is this, this text that just contains some news that totally vindicated him totally vindicated everything that this other person had been saying and, and that other person was kind of found out to be who he really was. You ever, you ever been vindicated like that? Somebody spreading lies about you, somebody talking about you, and then, and then your friends realize oh, that, who that person really is and what they're really about. That, that happened in a big way in this situation. So he gets home and he wants to share this good news with a ministry partner. Somebody's been through this storm with him. Somebody's been leaning on. So he sends him this, this big book. You ever send anybody? Brenda, you are a book writer when you send texts, right? Sends this big wall of text. And, and he's like, man, I know I'm going to get a big wall back. I'm going to get a big text. I mean, I don't want no little emoji con or something like that. Emoji. Is it emoji? Is there such thing as emoji con? Or is it just emoji? Whatever. He, he doesn't want this little emoji left. He wants some commiseration, right? Back. He wants some big stuff back from this. And he's waiting for it. He's, he's not going anywhere. He's going to wait for this person to text him back. And the person does that. The text comes in and it's nine words. Nine Words And he's like, oh, I must have hit send too soon, and there's more coming. He's w- waiting for those three dots to come up like they're still texting, it, and it doesn't happen. Man, he, he was waiting for a boost. He was waiting for this guy to, to come back and just pile on, right? And that text never comes. Just, just these nine words, and he focuses in on them. And they say, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Don't give your enemy a seat at your table. Somebody needs to hear that today. Don't give that enemy a seat at your table. Don't go there. Don't allow yourself to go there. He said it cut right through all the imaginary conversations he had with that that person. He said it cut through all the anxiety all the feelings of helplessness, all the feelings of how am I going to make this right? How am I going to work out this situation? How am I going to handle it? How am I going to take care of this? Cut right through all the resentment that he had towards this person. And he was like, man, what am I doing here? He said right there, he prayed, and he thanked God that he had a friend that wasn't about that commiseration, a friend that knew he didn't need to hear that. He needed a wake-up call to avoid going down that road, right? He needed someone to say, you're not an orphan. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. You're a child of God. Amen? He realized in that moment, he says, that he let the enemy have a seat at his table, and worse than that, he'd been having a conversation with a killer. We, we portray the enemy, some nice-dressed guy in our society. He's a killer, though. He's a marriage killer. He's a relationship killer. He's an abuse-yourself-to-your-dead encourager. He wants you dead. Make no mistake about it. No matter how he portrays himself, he wants you dead. He wants everybody you care about dead. And he had been having a conversation with somebody trying to destroy him instead of the shepherd that cares about him. Instead of the the shepherd that won the victory 2,000 years ago. The victory. He right then took back his table, took authority over it through, through Christ. The word tells us that the enemy prowls around like a lion, right? Seeking to devour us. There's no scripture that says we have the ability to stop him from roaming around or really to attack him. But we can resist him. 
We do have the ability to take back our table and not listen, not abide in the words that he says, not to grab on onto those. We have the ability to take every thought captive, right? That's what we get through Christ. How do we do that? By locking eyes with the king, by sitting down at the table every day and looking to him, by opening the word of God and hearing his voice and comparing what the enemy is saying with the voice of truth, with the word of God. You, you don't win the battle of your mind by, by trying to fight the enemy. You, you win it by allowing God's word to fight the enemy. You aren't going to slug the devil and give him a, a black eye. But God's word will set everything straight. And that's what we have to compare what we're hearing to that. Nobody ever wanted me. I was abandoned. I was left behind. That pops into your head. Then you recall what God's word teaches. God chose me before the foundations of this world. Right? He left heaven and came to this earth to die on a cross to save me. We remember the cross. We remember what the season's about. God with us. He came down to us. He died for us. That doesn't say God loves you, that God cares about you. I don't know what will. The good shepherd, man, lays down his life for a sheep. This, this table is not about what's on the table. It's about who's at the table. Lock eyes with him. The one who paid everything, who gave everything, who willingly went to the cross for you, is sitting there. And we're too busy. Would you listen to his voice above all, all other voices? Why, why does he put the table in the middle of our enemies? I told you this is the last thing I want to point out. We are great. Your enemies, though, they get a view of the king. They get a view of your relationship with the king. They get a view of how you trust in the king, no matter what storm's going on in your life, and how you can have peace to just sit there and trust him. They get a front row view to all that. Praise God. They get to compare who they're listening to to who you're listening to. I'm listening to this person who hates me, who wants me dead. And you're listening to this person who died for you, who fills your cup up until it overflows. I want that. How do I get that? That's an opportunity then we get to share the good news, right? When people see that, when we're right there in the middle. But then here's the other thing. I think that we have, when we have this table in the middle of our enemies, it gives us the ability to share what God's given us. I can grab those muffins, start passing them out. Here's what Christ has done in my life. Here's my witness. Here's my testimony. Here's what he can do in your life. You might hate me. You might think you're, we're enemies. But it doesn't have to be that way. Why in the world would we do that to our enemies? Why? Because we were once them. We were once the enemy. Somebody reached out to us. The Holy Spirit reached out to us. Right? Man, what a privilege to do the same thing. Pray for your enemies. Man, I, I told you months ago, there's a person that hates me at work, this person. And just yesterday, no, Friday, 
that person came in and, and we're friends now. I was just getting ready to invite her to church. This person, I don't want to say her. This person to church, and they were talking about how they're, they're missing out, though, and not meeting with family because they were scared with COVID and, and how they didn't want to be in a, in a big setting with a bunch of people. So I didn't do that. But, man, I just saw how I could encourage her. We've got to see people differently. We've got to realize that we were once enemies. And, but the grace of God, right, for only that reason... We're now children of God. And we get to share that grace with other people. That's what we're called to do as his church. Amen? Stand with me. This isn't a message to go home and think about. This is a message to say, I'm done giving the enemy a seat at the table. And instead, I'm going to lock eyes with you, Lord, and listen to you. This is a time to make a decision to do just that. And if that's you, then I want to pray for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for, for the view that we have in this psalm the, the view that your word gives us, Lord. You are the shepherd. Father, I pray that we would allow you to be that. We would call you to be that. That we would surrender our lives to you. And that you'd lead us. Father, I pray if there's anybody in here right now, and they just realize, man, I've been listening to the enemy. And that needs to end today. Lord, I pray that you would separate that right now. Father, I pray that you would put a wall of protection around them. I pray that you would remove that enemy from their life and that they would lock eyes with you. That they would instead turn to your word and see what it says and follow that. Lord, let your word be a light to our path. Father, we give you all praise. We give you all honor. Lord, we pray that as we would go out of here today, you would give us opportunities to reach out to our enemies, to reach out to our friends, to reach out to our families and share the good news with anybody that you put in our path. Father, help us not to see people as we see them. We're sheep. Our eyesight's not that good. Help us to see them as you do, Lord. We give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.